What's up, podcast world? It's ad time. This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends at SeedsHereNow.com. That's right. If you need new seeds in the garden, I highly recommend SeedsHereNow.com. Make sure to check out Crypto Wednesdays, James Bean's Secret Vault, and of course, the easy peasy credit card payment options at SeedsHereNow.com. Welcome back, podcast world. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff. This is episode 723 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, I'm going to do an update on my recent silver thiosulfate episode. Before I get to that part of the show, let's do a few shout outs to a few of those great folks who continue to support the show on Patreon. Let's kick it off with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast. Thank you. Shout out to our friend Daniel. Let's send a big thank you shout out to ADHD Grower and Jay Dutch. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Justa Smokin' and Know Me By My Guacamole. Let's send a fist bump and a thank you shout out to Shoe Trader 101. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Polo Paul and Grow Man Stan. Let's send a fist bump and a thank you shout out to Kojax and Shakoba. Then let's wrap it all up with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to Grow Bandit. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. And you know I do include a link in the show notes and in the video description to make it nice and easy for all of my friends to support the show. This, of course, is the part of the show when I invite you to the Groovy Gravy Secret Stash Seed event in Denver, Colorado on Saturday, March 26th. That's right, Irie Genetics and many other great seed uh, vendors and breeders will be at the Groovy Gravy Secret Stash Seed Exchange event at an undisclosed location near downtown Denver in Denver, Colorado, Saturday, March 26th. Make sure you check out It's Groovy Gravy on Instagram. At It's Groovy Gravy is the one throwing the party. Give them a follow on Instagram. All of the information you need will be right there. There is a link in their bio. So check out It's Groovy Gravy on Instagram. Check the link in their bio. That will get you tickets. When you check out, make sure to use coupon code RASTAJEFF. That will save you 10% off your tickets to the event. I look forward to seeing you there. Pop by the booth. Say hi. Can't wait to see you. I should have... Packs of Blue Raspberry Truffle, Strawberry Starburst, Sunkiss, Saka Souffle, The Machine. Uh, there will be some new stuff. What will we have the new stuff? There will be some of the Moon Tower will be available. Moon Tower, what is that? What? We recently talked about the Moon Tower. That is the Bubba Kush female pollinated by the Arise. We call it the Moon Tower. The name's inspired by, of course, the movie Dazed and Confused. All right, all right, all right. Party at the Moon Tower. That's enough about that. Join me. The Groovy Gravy Secret Stash Seed Event in Denver. Look forward to seeing you there. Once again, if you need more info, send me an email or make sure you do follow It's Groovy Gravy on the gram. All right, where do we go from there? Um, I was recently on, I've talked about this on a previous episode. I was recently on the Irie Army podcast. I want to give a big shout out to all of my friends who support the Irie Army podcast. Big up to Billy for the co-hosting skills there. Big up to Graybeard for the co-hosting and tech skills there. Uh, very good questions. Very well done show. Very interactive show. We did 30 minutes of uh, 
kind of structured material. They asked me pre-written questions. Then after that, they opened it up to the uh, the chat audience and they got to ask a bunch of questions. That was a good time. I think it was a well-done show. I got to uh, showcase my brand. I got to talk a lot about my history and who I am and got to answer all the questions that uh, some of my fr- uh, friends and supporters have wanted to know. That was a great time. So make sure you check out the Irie Army podcast if you're not already subscribed. Go to YouTube, give them a subscribe. Also, if you're not subscribed to my show, please do click subscribe. Now is a good time. Once again, big shout out to my friends at the Irie Army. Also, uh, not just thanks for the podcast, but thanks for the hang. That was a good time. Then after we wrapped up the show, we hung out on the on the server and we chatted for a solid hour. And that was a good time. Uh, those guys are my friends, my family. That's my crew. So thank you. Big salute. Rasta Army, Irie Army. Thank you for being, uh, I was going to say, part of the team. You guys are the team. I may be the team captain, but without all you uh, you maniacs, all you Irie Army members out there, I'm just a one-man army, and I do need the support, the crew, the team. So thank you. Each and every one of you do mean a lot to me. The Irie Army, we take more dabs before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. All right, let's keep moving with this podcast because I do have a lot of stuff I want to cover. I have a lot of notes here. I'm trying to get the notes lined up so I can read them and not get distracted. All right, I want to do an update on a recent silver thiosulfate episode. If you haven't been following along, recently I did a show about making our own silver thiosulfate. That is a solution which we would use to reverse a plant to make feminized seeds. I don't want to do a full recap because I've already done the full episode. Scroll back a couple episodes. It is available. Watch that one. This is the follow-up. Apparently, um, I missed a few things, which that's not uncommon for me. I I try to talk and be, uh, what's the word? Succinct might be the word. I don't know. Text me, email me. Let me know if that's even a word. Um, I try to get it right the first time, but I'm human and I'm also a stoner. I'm not a robot. Some people say I'm an alien, 100% human. I'm going to make some mistakes. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to do updates and corrections. And also forgive me when I do make more mistakes in the future, because I promise I'm going to fuck up again. But for now, I do have some updates, some corrections, uh, some more info for the silver thiosulfate episode. Let's jump into it. Here goes the update. Silver thiosulfate part two. Most of these questions came from emails uh, from the YouTube channel uh, through the Irie Genetics Grow Help tab on the website. Check out the website. There's a tab there that says Grow Help. If you have questions about anything, you can reach me through there. Just skip the grow help part, type in your question at the bottom. I'll still get that. I will still answer that. If I have not answered your email or your tester application, once again, I do apologize. It's just me. I'm going to stay on track. Um, A lot of the questions were about storing the solution. We would mix up part A, mix up part B, then mix them into a solution. Then we would dilute that. There were many questions about storage. Here is the straightforward answer. It is best to, okay, it will last longest, I think is the way that I should say this. For best preservation of the product, it will last longest in the powder form. Once we mix it into the waters, we are the water. Uh, We are uh, now reducing the shelf life of that product. Once we combine those two sources together, we are now even uh, greatly more reducing the shelf life of that product. Once we dilute it, we have even more drastically reduced the shelf life of that product. So every time we dilute it, every time we mix it, We are kind of reducing the shelf life and the viability of that product. So what I recommend is I mix up one liter. I know that one liter is going to get me through my uh, multiple days of spraying, my multiple applications. I can spray several plants several times, several days by mixing up one liter. That one liter recipe is really easy to make. Uh, The recipe is simple. The amount of water you need, the measuring equipment, 500 mils, uh, the half gram, two and a half grams. The math works out very well. And that's about how much I need to get my reversals done. So I make that one liter. 
Uh, that one leader stores long enough to get me through the 21 days worth of application without having any problems. If you do see uh, discoloration or coloration, I guess any sort of color happening in there, sometimes you'll see dark granules or black chunks at the bottom of the, the mix. That's probably bad. You need to pour that out and remix. So I don't have a tried and true shelf life for this product. What I do know is that when I make that leader and I throw that leader in the refrigerator, that's something we're going to talk about here is storage. Uh, I keep it in a refrigerator and it is clearly labeled. It's a big jar and it says silver thiosulfate solution on it. So where nobody in my house, it's just me here, but I make sure that nobody that shows up comes over uh, is going to drink out of that. Maybe Mike comes over, takes a giant dab. Maybe Clint pops by. Uh, he doesn't dab because he's kind of not that cool yet, but maybe he hits the dab pen and he gets a little fuzzy and he goes to the fridge and needs something cold to drink. I want to make sure none of my crew, none of my friends, none of my family reach into my refrigerator and drink the silver thiosulfate solution. I don't think it would cause them drastic health problems. I don't want to find out. So it is clearly labeled in the fridge. Uh, keep it in a cool, dry, dark place. If you can put it uh, in a brown paper bag like some bum wine, just put your clear jar in a brown bag that will protect it from the light. Uh, the light is off in the fridge. When you close the door, the light goes off. I don't fuck with the fridge a lot. I'm a single, not a single dude. I'm a bachelor living alone. Um, here by myself, the fridge doesn't get opened a lot. So uh, it stays nice and cool, dry and dark in there. So honestly, it is, uh, it's effective for me over that course of 21 days. It does not lose its strength. It does not lose its uh, viability. It does not lose its effectiveness over that 21 day period while it is kept in my fridge. So what I do is I'll take the, the one, uh, the liter, I'll take out the amount that I need, put that in my spray bottle, dilute it. Uh, usually I can get two applications from one spray bottle worth. I'm using just the spray bottle that, uh, you probably use to put cleaner in and spray the windows or some sort of, uh, just a ba basic spray bottle. I think it's 450 milliliters is what it's marked up to on the side of the bottle. I can get two applications of three semi-large plants out of that one bottle. So, um, I mix it, I dilute it, I mix it, I fill that bottle, I shake the shit out of it, I spray, I leave that bottle sitting in a cool, dry, dark place. It's honestly in just my mix area. When I'm not in there, the lights in the mix area are off. It's cool, it's dry, it's dark. Um, it's a comfortable environment for a person. I think that would be a decent environment for that solution. It sits there. Uh, three days later, I shake the shit out of it again, apply it to the plants. Now my spray bottle is empty at that time. I'll clean it out. Uh, when it's time to make more, I will make the dilution. I'll pour my 10 or... 30 whatever percent into the container. Uh, then I'll mix the 70 or 90% uh, distilled water into there, shake the shit out of it. Then I can get once again, two more applications out of that. Uh, by the time that jar, uh, that mix is getting empty. I have, my plants are done. They're reversed. They're getting cut down. It's already done the magic. So, um, the storage, they store best as powders. They store a little less longer. Every time you mix them and dilute them, they start to lose their, um, their shelf life is I'm not a scientist. I'm not a chemistry major to be hundred percent honest with you, but in my experience, uh, from the best of my knowledge, from what I've been taught, read and learned, uh, they do last longest as the powder shorter as they get wetter and more diluted, more dissolved. So, um, keep them in a fridge. I keep them in a cool, dry, dark place, clearly labeled, make sure that once again, if you have family, if you got kids, especially if you've got kids, this may be a weird detail. If somebody, if you, if somebody in your house drinks alcohol, that's when we make a lot of silly mistakes. We do a lot of weird shit. Maybe put it somewhere that you cannot accidentally drink it if you're drunk. Put it in the bottom, somewhere in the crisper drawer, in the bottom somewhere you just won't get to it. Set yourself up for success is what I'm saying. We don't want to be that grower, that breeder, that seed maker, that 
that dipshit getting somebody sick because we didn't properly label and or store the things we were using for our grow. So put that in a safe designated place. Make sure it's labeled. Also keep in mind, drunk people, young people, uh, sometimes old people, sometimes normal people can't fucking read. So set yourself up, your home up for success. Uh, I've seen people take a ring of duct tape and put it right around the top. Uh, just because when people grab, they're going to go, why the fuck is there duct tape around here? That'll slow them down, make them think not to drink the silver thiosulfate solution. I don't keep mine for very long. I use it and I make more. I keep that 100% solution in a in the refrigerator and I dilute it as I need it. I apply it. Usually I can get two sprays out of a solution, out of a mix. And that is basically the storage of the silver thiosulfate solutions. Now let's move forward. I spray with the lights off. One of the questions was, when do I spray? I try to spray any spray application with the lights off. This doesn't matter if you've got to turn. It's best if you can hit it right when the lights go off in the grow space. If you can time it to where, like, you know, the lights go off at 7, you're in there at, like, 6.59, you start spraying, those lights go off, and then you can finish spraying, close up, and get out of there real quick. That's not a problem. That couple of minutes worth of spraying those uh, plants with silver won't disrupt anything. If you could pull the plants out just before nighttime, take them to another location and spray them, then right as the lights go off, return them to their home and then let them sleep. That is probably best. So I always spray with the lights off. If the plants are removed from the grow lights or you just don't want them under those intense lights for a couple of reasons. Um, remember when we were kids, some of us did this, some didn't. You could burn, if you watch Beavis and Butthead, you saw this, you could burn ants with a magnifying glass. If you get a bubble on your leaf when you're spraying with the big grow light on and that intense light hits that bubble, it could make a little burn mark on your plant. Also, there's a thing called phototoxicity. Sometimes the things we spray on our plants may have a photo reaction with the light, with the heat. Something may cause an interaction to cause a problem on your plant. So let's not spray with the lights on. If you can drag those plants out of there, spray them right before the lights go off, right as the lights go off, put them back in the room so they're not getting hit with that big light while they're wet. That would be ideal. Be careful not to get the silver solution on other plants. You only want this on plants that are going to get sprayed. If you're putting them in a room with other plants, make sure that those plants, uh, that the sprayed plants are dry before you introduce them back to the population. Another thing is uh, I usually spray. And then uh, that first time I spray is about seven to 10 days before a flower. So that one I just spray. Lights go out, I spray. We're in veg, not a big deal. Once I go into flower, I will wait. So my, I've got my room set to 1212. It's going to come on at 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. However you're living, it comes on, right? So that light will come on whenever you got it scheduled. I don't know how your setup is going. Uh, the lights come on. Boom. The plant's in there. This is its first day of 1212. When I know that that timer is about to go off, maybe 10, 15 minutes before that, I'll go grab that plant, pull it far from the light and spray it. Now this is day one for that plant. So I'm going to spray it with a silver solution, let it kind of dry up. Then when the lights go off, I'll just move it back to its normal spot so that tomorrow when the light comes on, it's back in its home. That is its first day. I like to spray it right before the lights go off, then put it into darkness. Give it that first day of darkness right after that spray. That seems to work for me. That seems to be effective. That is the way I've been doing it. So that is when. Um, so we've covered storage of the solution. We've covered when to spray. Spray with the lights off. Uh, spray in the dark. Make sure not to spray the other plants. If you've got to pull these plants out of the room and spray them, that may be ideal. Um, that should be what you're doing anyway, because you want to flower these plants a little bit ahead of the females. We're going to talk more about that. That may be getting close to where we are. Um, so you want to get these male plants in a room by themselves if you can, or the pollen donor plants, I should say, in a room by themselves if you can, and get them ahead of the girls when making fem seeds. Let's talk about one of the big questions we got was pollen collection and storage of the pollen. That is a really good question. 
Our main goal here is to create feminized pollen. What are we going to do with the pollen once we've created that? Um, what I do, I've got two separate areas. Um, I've got a main room with a three by three tent inside of that room. So my girls are in one area, they're vegging, uh, they're under a light, they're getting vegged. Then I will move my male plant into the tent or my pollen donor. I should correct my nomenclature, my wordage here, my verbiage. Uh, this is a pollen donor. It's a female being moved to a tent. Three of them get moved to a tent. Uh, they are on their own light. Now I'll put them under 12-12 and spray them. Um, they're going to start making pollen. You've got a couple of options. What I do, I grab those pollen donor plants. Uh, when I know it's about time, I grab them and I move them strategically throughout the grow space. One goes right in the middle of all the females. One goes on this end of the females because there's an extraction fan on this end. So I want it to kind of pull the air right over there. And the other one kind of sits off to the side because I'm saving that one. I want that one to make a bunch of pollen so that that's my backup, my second pollination. So um, you can just put one at the edge of the plants, at the edge of the canopy, and just let that pollen dust in. Or you can collect the pollen. If you want to collect it, keep the males in their own area, the pollen donors in their own area. And as the pollen starts coming out, you can tap it. I use, oftentimes I'll get a Pyrex dish. It's going to be heavy. A Pyrex dish is much heavier than you anticipate. Get a good grip on it. Don't drop that bad bitch in the grow. You'll break some stuff. Maybe even the dish, it will suck. So I've got the Pyrex dish. I've got a grip on it. I'm a drummer. I've got a drumstick handy. I'll grab a drumstick and just tap that plant and it'll tap the pollen right into that, into that Pyrex dish. Just give it a few taps. You can do this every few days. It will start giving you pollen. It'll make more pollen. Just know that every time you touch this plant, Pollen is going to go all over the place. There's going to be pollen everywhere. You're going to sneeze. It's going to taste gross. It's going to get in your eyes. It'll be funky. So you can drag that pollen donor over to the rest of the plant, over to the population when you're ready, or you can collect the pollen by tapping it, or you can take that Pyrex dish and you can straight up chop the tops off of your plant, your pollen donor plant, and lay it in that Pyrex dish and the pollen will fall out as the plant dries pollen will land into your dish. You could tap it. You could tap it with a drumstick with your fingers, smack the plant onto the dish carefully, gently. Don't blow the pollen everywhere. It's sensitive. The wind will make it go crazy. Tap it. Tap that plant onto the dish. The pollen will fall out. One of the most important things about pollen is let it get dry. Moisture will destroy pollen. That's something we're going to talk about a lot here. Uh, moisture destroys pollen. If you have got a desiccant pack, not a boveda pack, you want the opposite. Boveda helps you retain moisture. We want to eliminate moisture. That thing that comes in food, uh, like beef jerky and shit, to suck out the moisture, it'll come in your vitamin package. It comes in, sometimes if you buy a new bag or something, it'll come with this little packet. That is to suck out moisture. That's what we want. Moisture will destroy pollen. It'll make your pollen clumpy. It'll make it dark yellow. It will not be viable. So let's get it super dry. Also, before you store it, pick out all of those male flowers. You're going to see little male flower clusters in there. Get all of those out because those ha have moisture and they will harbor moisture, which will uh, attribute and contribute to moldy conditions in your storage container. So gather up that pollen. You can use the drumstick and the Pyrex dish method. You can just bend that plant over and shake it into your dish if that's what you want to do. But pollen is going to go every direction. When you do this, turn off the fans help yourself out because that fan is going to blow dust everywhere. Or if you think that the plant has gone long enough, you can cut the tops off and put those tops in the dish and let them dry. Get it bone dry before you seal it up. Then store that pollen. I don't know how long your pollen will last. I've done a few experiments. I don't want to lead you astray and say that it will last more than six months. I've had pollen for six months. I've had pollen for a year and it worked. I had pollen for two years. It did not work. So 
I'm going to say gather your pollen, get it super dry, seal it, keep it in a cool, dry, dark place. Dry, dry. Did I say dry enough times? Get the pollen dry. All right, now we've got pollen. Let's talk about actually pollinating our female plants. Like I said before, you could drag your uh, your reversed plant, your pollen donor over to the canopy. You can give it a shake or you can let it naturally blow across the canopy. Let it pollinate that way. Or you can select a couple of branches for your female plant and pollinate just a few branches if you're very careful. I would have the pollen in a small container, maybe like a glass vial. Uh, back in the day, we would use a black film canister. We've evolved since then. But uh, a vial, a container of some sort with pollen in it. If you can, remove the female plant that you're going to pollinate from the room. Once you've got your female pollen receiver in a safe place, get the pollen out of your container. You can use a Q-tip. You can use a paintbrush. I've seen a lot of different ways to do it. I've seen people simply take a vial of pollen and sprinkle it right over the top of the plant. Like if this microphone was a plant and this, uh, I'm going to use the pen. It's the easiest thing I've got. This pen cap was a vial of pollen. They just took it and went tink, 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 tink and did a few circles around it and then went lower. Or you can just pollinate one branch. If you're super careful, you can grab a, a branch of the plant, bend it over this way, get it right here and just go. And then you know that this branch right here is gonna make a bunch of seeds. You can make plenty of seeds from a really small bud, a really small branch. A good idea at this point may be to mark it. If you got a bread tie, a ribbon, uh, anything you can put on this branch and say, this is where I pollinated. Now you know that your seeds are gonna be there when it comes to harvest time. You could possibly harvest the rest of the plant. If you are careful, it won't be seeded. And this one branch will have seeds for your next project. You can grow your own stuff, have a little bit of fun with that. So you can use a paintbrush, a Q-tip. You could dust it. You could dip the paintbrush or Q-tip into the pollen and paint it onto the bud. Paint the pistols. Watch the pistols. Is that where we are? Um, yeah, watch the pistols. When those pistols get, uh, you can identify that the plant has been pollinated by the pistols or stigmas being brown and shriveled. Uh, that part will become a seed. And then it says you can make a lot of seeds with tiny, tiny plants. Don't waste a lot of time and space making seeds for your first time. We don't know if these seeds are going to be any good. So the first time you make seeds, maybe only make 20, 30, maybe 50 of them to test them out and see if they're worth a shit. Don't seed up your whole crop and then they got a bunch of seeds that aren't stellar. Our job as a breeder is to make seeds that are better than both of the parents. If you didn't improve upon the cannabis line or if you didn't reach a goal that you were trying to reach, then we didn't do ourselves any justice. We didn't do any good for the plant. We're moving backwards. So um, you can make yourselves a lot of seeds in a very small, like a closet or a micro grow space. You can make a lot of seeds. I've bred seeds in six inch net pots. All you need is a big enough plant to receive pollen and a big enough plant to drop pollen. You can make seeds. So pollinate some plants, let the pollen take. Then here's a useful tip. I keep saying water deactivates pollen. When you are tossing pollen around, if you don't want all of your plants to get pollen, spray them with water before you get the pollen out. Just moisten them up, make it damp in the room, wet those plants, get the other plants, do your pollen chucking, let the pollen take, maybe rinse that plant off after the pollen, just mist it with water, kill any excess pollen that didn't get absorbed by the uh, pistols or uh, by the female plant. Get the pollen off of there, then spray the other females, then put everybody back in the room together, and then you should prevent pollen contamination on the plants you did not want seeded. Uh, water deactivates pollen. There are so many useful tricks to use water to keep your other plants safe. So you can spray the other females. Uh, you can spray anything you don't want to get seeded that may help you out. So rinse them off before you put them back in there. Spray the other girls. You should be safe.
Now, here's something I want to talk about. Don't harvest the seeds too early. How do we know when they're done? The seeds will probably take about six weeks to finish. I usually harvest around day 70, sometimes 77 when my plants are seeded. What I like to do to make sure that my seeds are ready is I start doing what I call a squeeze test. I seed up pretty large plants, so I've, I can risk a few seeds. What I do, uh, right where the uh, the nodes are kind of intersecting, right at the bottom, you can see the bracts, the uh, the pistils, or the cal. You can see the bracts or the calyx all swol swollen up, and there's a seed in there. Just reach up and pluck a seed out. You're not going to ruin too much. You might pull out one or two seeds. Pull out a seed. Give it a squeeze. Roll it around in your fingers. Knock off that hole or the husk of the seed. Examine the seed. What color is it? Is it white? Is it light green? Is it turning brown? Is it tiger striped? Is it gray? Does it look like a seed that you think would be viable? Then here's the next test. Give it a squeeze. That seed should not break under the pressure of your fingers. If it cracks, it's not ready. If it does not crack, you're getting very close. I like to pull the seeds when they're good and hard and I can push them on the table and they do not rupture under the pressure of my finger. I've got a nice, I almost have an indention and a callus on this finger from pressing so many seeds onto this table. That's how I test them. I really pull out a few and I'll do this from multiple locations on the plant. I don't just pick the top because that's obvious, right? That's getting the most light, the most energy. Let's do a few spots on the plant. Sometimes, just like trichomes, the tops of the plant, the seeds are ready and the bottom needs to keep going. Sometimes in the greenhouse, in the grow space, some of the plant seeds are ready earlier than others. The seeds that come from the platinum tangy are always done sooner than the seeds that come from strawberry starburst. I always know that that will be a thing. That saves me uh, the headache of having to cut down those two plants at the same time. I know that if I run a large crop of platinum tangy, that I can cut that down seven to 10 days earlier than anything made with the strawberry fields. I said strawberry starburst earlier. Sorry, I may have transposed those, but I do mix that up in my brain a lot. But I know that the timing there, I can help myself out by staggering those because they won't be done for a week apart. So I can get the one down, dried, get it chopped up into small pieces, and then move the other one in and they can change places. They can rotate in my process, in my processing, so I don't have to do it all at one time. Um, so pull the seeds out, see if they're ripe. That's what I'm getting at there. Um, you'll start developing the eye and the feel to know if the seeds are ready. If you leave them too long, they'll get too hard. If you take them too early, they won't be viable. Um, find some, some of your seeds are going to be done earlier than others in one plant. Find that law of averages. Do you have enough that are done that it's time to cut down the plant? Or do you want to wait longer and let some get too hard? That's the time to be done. If you're only making 30 or 40 seeds, cut them down around day 70. They should be ready. Now let's talk a little bit more specifically about the timing of using our spray solution. I'm going to say it one more time because I may have gone too fast in the last episode. I like to spray my pollen donor seven to 10 days before I initiate flower. I do not initiate flower on my pollen donor and pollen receiver plants at the same time. That's the next thing we're going to talk about. But I start spraying seven to 10 days before I flip my pollen donor. So a week to 10 days, I'll give it a good spray. Then I will give that plant day one of flower. My schedule is set 9 to 9 a.m. or p.m. Depends on which room I'm in, what I'm doing. 9 a.m., that light comes on. About 8.45, I go grab the, the pollen donor plants and I spray them for the first time. Then the light goes off at 9 o'clock. This is day one of flower. So we get sprayed 7 to 10 days before flower. Then we get sprayed day one of flower. Now here is the schedule that I follow. I spray my silver solution on day one, day three, day six, 
day 9, day 12, 15, 18, and 21. At this point, I will start making uh, game time decisions. Do I need to spray again on 25? Do I need to spray again on 27? And I have never sprayed after day 30, to be honest with you. Sometimes the plants are stubborn. Uh, if you've got a stubborn plant, you may need to go longer. By now, we should start seeing pollen. So let's talk about that. Um, you, the male will start making pollen around day 30 or 35-ish. This is going to be plant-specific, light-specific, phenotype-specific, environment-specific. So I'm saying ish. Um, I'm going to say day 28 to 37-ish is when you'll get your pollen. Now, the females will be ready for their pollen around day 25 to day 30. So there's a word problem. There's some algebra to be done there. Let me tell you again, expect pollen between days 30 and 35. Expect females to be ready around day 25 to day 30. Now there's more stuff to talk about. Don't bump your pollen donor plants when they're making pollen because that will knock the pollen out early. Uh, they won't have as much they won't have as much stuff to knock up your females. Also, that dust may travel to the females and pollinate them early. If they get hit too early, you won't make as many seeds as you could have. Now, one piece of advice that I use to set my rhythm, um, I say that the females are going to be ready for pollen around day 25 to 30. The dude is going to start making pollen around 30 to 35. The way that I set my rhythm, when I see those pollen donor plants showing me that they are truly reversing, uh, this is a kind of a fail-safe way. Sometimes your silver solution isn't perfect. Sometimes your spray intervals, dilutions, ratios, timing aren't right for the cultivar you've chosen to reverse. So what I do, I wait until I see that female plant showing me true signs of successful reversal before I drag my female plants into the flower room. This does a couple things. First of all, it sets up the timing. I know that once I see that part start developing, I know I'm just the right time away for that plant to give me pollen to where the girls are going to get timed up just right. Also, this helps me not put female plants into flower when I don't have a pollen donor coming. If I failed, if I didn't make my silver solution properly, if I didn't reverse at the right time, spray correctly, if I done fucked up, I've got a backup plan. I still have my females and veg. I can get that pollen donor plant and do other tricks and methods and tactics to try to reverse it. That way I don't just have plants in there flowering, not making seeds, scrambling, trying to figure shit out because I've been there, won't do it again. That sucks. I'm better than that at this point. And so are you. So set yourself up for success. Wait until you see that pollen donor plant showing successful signs of reversal. Then drag those female plants in there. Then here comes the next part. We're going to harvest our seeds around day 70 or 75, maybe day 77. I'm going to do a full episode in the future about harvesting seeds. This will count for feminized seeds, regular seeds, autoflower seeds. This is universal. However, you're going to harvest seeds. This will work. So uh, get those female plant or get the male plants, the pollen donors about seven to 15 days ahead. Expect pollen around day 30 to 35. Get the females ready for pollen around day 25 to 30. Pollinate. I don't know if you're going to do an open pollination where you're going to drag that pollen donor in there and just let it skeet. I don't know if you're going to cut down the top and walk around and beat the females with it. I don't know if you're going to gather pollen and then get the girls going at another time and sprinkle them. I don't know your tactic, but do some pollen chucking. Get in there, get that pollen going on the girls. Then be patient and wait. Um, let's talk briefly about feeding. I don't have any notes about feeding. I didn't write that down. 
we should talk about that. The seeded plants are going to want more nutrients. I feed my seeded plants basically a souped up veg mix. I feed what I'm feeding my veg plants. I do add amino acids. I add a liquid amino product from what's that company called? It'll come to me. You know who they are. All right. The company my brain would not bring to my mind is called Micro of Life Hydroponics. They make great stuff. They make an amino product that I use. I also like that Photosynthesis Plus. Uh, good shit. So I add aminos to my seeded crops. I also step up the CalMag and a little bit of the nitrogen. I don't focus on bud boosters. Uh, I will shift later on to the uh, the flowering feed, but I don't focus on bud boosters like we do when we're making buds because I'm not making buds. I'm making seeds. I'm focused on making uh, the building blocks for life. And I do believe that a little bit of those amino acids, a lot of nitrogen, basic nutrients will help us out with that. Um, somebody asked what kind of thiosol of the, uh, I am using the anhydrous version. The crystalline anhydrous is what I am using. I honestly think that answers all of the questions that I had written down in a future episode. I am again going to talk about the harvesting of these seeds. So you've got some time to go, let your seeds grow. The next time we check in, we'll talk about cutting down your seeded cannabis plants. If they're feminized seeds, regular seeds, auto flowers, maybe it's just hemp. We'll teach you how to cut them down, get those seeds out of there. That is a tedious task if you're not prepared properly. All right, that is all I've got for you. That is the update to the silver thiosulfate episode. Thank you once again for checking out the Grow From Your Heart podcast. If you have any questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, you know I would love to hear from you. The email address is growfromyourheart at hotmail.com. Don't be shy. If you feel like the episode was educational, informative, or entertaining, maybe you just like to throw me a couple of bucks for putting out such quality content. All you have to do is check out patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information, of course, is right there on the screen. If you need any more information, check out my website at iriegenetics.com. My voice is starting to burn out. My jaw's getting tired. That's all I've got for you. I'll be back in a couple of days with fresh new content. I want to give a big shout out to my buddy Root305. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mama a hug for me.